Hello and welcome to Guy Perryman Interviews. Our travel companion today is Kyle Vincent, smooth pop singer-songwriter who was in Japan for fan-arranged live events. The conversation took place on the roof in Tokyo in April 2023 and was first broadcast across Japan on my Inter-FM radio show. Enjoy the journey! It is wonderful to welcome on board Kyle Vincent. Hello. Hey there, Guy. How are you today? I'm great, and all the better for meeting you. How are you doing? Oh, very kind. We've come together through mutual friends, and I have to be honest, I've never met you before. I've never been to your live shows before, so I'm thrilled to have been introduced to you. And likewise, I have yet to see your live show, or <laughs> you on tour. Or... You can see me on the radio every Friday. <laughs> I've got a face for radio. I'll do that. <laughs> welcome to welcome back to Japan. Yeah. How many times have you been here? I think this is 14. Wow. And about 10, 11 or 12 of those have been tours. The other times I've snuck into the country and just kind of bopped around on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying to me, you come to Japan to do a whole bunch of live shows organized by fans. You don't have a promoter. I don't really have a, you know, quote unquote, legitimate industry promoter. It's all fan driven. Hmm. And uh, I, I can tell you the quick story of that if you'd like. And yeah. you can just edit it up and chop it away. Bring it on. <laughs> well, I'd been playing. I was in a band way back in the 80s. And we had a smidgen of success in Japan, hmm. mostly with kind of the teeny bopper, uh, mostly female people. So anyway, I was just playing my regular shows in the US and I played a house show, kind of a living room concert, either in Cleveland or Detroit, I forget which. And I pretty much recognized uh, everybody kind of fit in as my audience there. But there was one gentleman in the back who was like a Japanese businessman in a suit and he really stuck out like, why is this Japanese businessman? He doesn't appear, appear to know anybody. He's all alone. <laughs> And after the show, he came up, he waited, of course, politely till everybody, you know, had their moment mm. and their autographs or whatever. And he said, Kyle, <laughs> you have many fans in Japan. We want to bring you over to Japan. Oh. And this was 2005. And in 2006, I started coming here and it was, he just gathered the fans together. Love it. Yeah. I love what you said to me off mic just before you said you, you've had a great successful career being unsuccessful, having a cult career, a cult following. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> I, yeah, I've really mastered the cult without success career. I'm very good. at. I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> you should. You should. Yes. You, you have done so many things all over the years. You've, uh, you've worked as a Bay City Roller yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been. Well, what well, was that fun? It was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was six nights a week, dressing up like a roller from the seventies, <laughs> and playing the Riviera, which was such a an historic, uh, you know, casino nightclub. Mm. And Sinatra and Elvis and Engelbert. You know, they all <laughs> they played it, and so for me that was huge because I'm such a sucker for that kind of crooner. There's the a crooner. Yeah, I was all a fan of Elvis and Engelbert and Frank Sinatra and all that. So it was a big thing for me to play the Riviera. And we did every six nights a week. And I did the rollers for about two years. It was kind of what was left of the rollers and stragglers. I, I was the 17th <laughs> member. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I took a lot, of, a lot of, can I say crap? Sure. Can I say worse than that? Or is that about as bad as we can get? Why did it get that bad? What happened? No, no, no. I took some crap from the real hardcore roller fans. As, oh. as one is, it's going to happen to somebody if you kind of join an iconic group mm. that has had the iconic members. Well, if and the other one's not around. If you want to hear the songs, this right. is the only way you're going to hear them. Right. And I thought we did a pretty good job of it. 
but uh, they're like, well, you're not really a roller. So I called a friend of mine. You, you may know iconic impresario in the music industry, Kim Fowley. Yes. And I was his assistant, his oh, wow. personal assistant and driver for several years. And so I called him and I said, man, I'm getting all this crap. I just joined the Rollers. I was all excited. Now all their fans are dissing me online. They've never even heard me sing a note and they're killing me. And he said, Kyle, were the Yankees over when Babe Ruth quit? I go, got it. Okay, bye. Love it. That was, that was all I needed to hear. Great advice. Yeah. Let's go right back to the beginning. How did you become a singer? Why do you love music so much? I started off playing saxophone when oh. I was in elementary school. Hmm. And my, I'm the youngest of four kids, and my three older siblings started music, you know, started playing an instrument and then stopped because they had these teachers that were like, ah, you must play this note, right? You know, very tough, traditional, old kind of teachers. And I was lucky because in my elementary school at the time, they were initiating a innovative jazz program to teach really young kids jazz improvisation as they were training them in the technical uh, music theory, how to read the notes, the timing and everything. Mm. But the second half of the instruction would be, now here's a jazz record, play along to it. It was unbelievable. And it became kind of legendary. You can like Wikipedia it because so many famous jazz musicians, this was in Berkeley, California, Mm. they came out of this program. So I started playing jazz to the point where I was like reading Charlie Parker solos at 15 years old. And I got over jazzed <laughs> and I <laughs> became a punk rock bassist. <laughs> From one extreme to the other. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's a sense of improvisation, I guess, in both, perhaps, maybe. That's I, true. Is it true you were on stage at 11 years old with Donald Byrd? I was. Do you know, do you remember Donald Byrd? I He's, love Donald Byrd's yeah. music. Amazing. Yeah. And that was incredible because the word got around into the jazz community. Mm. A lot of famous jazz musicians came along and would improvise with us. And we did a concert with them. And I. They called me up. They point to you and you go up. At 11 years old. 11. Wow. And we're going trading licks back and forth. They're like, oh my God. Yeah. From 11 years old, you go on to do all sorts of other things. Now, you've got a pretty cool endorsement. You, I believe you were a support act for Barry Manilow. Yes. And he said you're one of the greatest singer-songwriters. Yeah. He said one of the greatest since Tin Pan Alley. I had to Google Tin Pan Alley before <laughs> there was Google when he said it. But yeah, it was a blast. We had the same manager. Oh. Uh, who's still his manager. And so they said, Barry, we're doing an outdoor shed tour. The outdoor theaters where oh, yep. it's like some lawn and then it's some seating. Yep. And Barry doesn't want to come out. It was the summer. He doesn't want to come out when the sun is still shining because, you know, the makeup melts and everything. So, <laughs> so you'll go out there and play <laughs> until we give you the sign that the sun's going down. <laughs> and then you're out of there. Gee, I hope you don't have daylight saving you there for another four hours. It's <laughs> That's like, right, right, right. Do it's another called, set. Right, right. I just run out of songs. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Mm. And I made a lot of fans, his fans, who are still with me. Mm. And I was a huge Barry fan. And he was one of the reasons I became a singer, because after doing the jazz, I started singing. We, we were discussing Barry Gibb earlier, and I just started singing to Bee Gees records and Manilow stylistics, things that really kind of stretch your voice, Carpenter's. And that's how I learned how to sing, Mm. apart from traditional voice lessons. But that was really it, Manilow. And also just his stage presence was was just really cool. He was like, he wasn't fake. He was kind of, in a way, he was kind of shy on stage, but uh, it felt very real to me. I got a lot from that. Love that. Yeah. Cool. Why do you love the softer sound of pop? I mean, you said you were in a punk band, though. 
Yeah, that didn't last too long, but but it was it got me out. It cleared my mind of all this, you know, <laughs> jazz that was getting too sophisticated and too many damn notes. Uh. And then, like, I did like this, you know, I mean, like, it's like with a pick on a Rickenbacker bass. It was a blast. <laughs> so I got that out of my system. Yeah, and moved to L.A. and we kind of did a a power pop band we were supposed to be like the rollers meets the meets well i guess with manilow singing <laughs> it was very strange <laughs> but uh i don't know why i like that i've i've just always born with a sense of with just a love of melody my mother kind of sang a little and they listened to really beautiful music and my older siblings so i think all that you know grew up i was so lucky mm. we grew up with such same generation yeah yeah yep. it was such well, no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> I think we are. I'm sure we would gravitate to whatever's out there now, mm. naturally, mm. if we were growing up. But I think we were damn lucky to grow up with the Burt Bacharachs and the yeah. Barry Gibbs. Yeah, I think know. of the, the record collections. My my dad had jazz. My mum had show tunes. My sisters were into British rock and then West Coast rock. And so all that stuff I grew up with. Yeah. I mean, 70s radio was phenomenal. You mm. would get... Anne Murray, followed by Earth, Wind, and Fire, followed by Van Halen. Mm, mm, and I love them all mm. because there's a lot of melody in Van Halen. There's yeah. melody in Motley Crue, mm. if you listen for it. That's pretty much what I'm doing on my radio show right now. I'm just going through all genres. That's great. Haven't played Motley Crue for a while. <laughs> Shout at the devil, it's classic. Okay, okay, you got me. <laughs> when it comes to your writing, writing your own music, what inspires your writing? Where do you get the ideas from? Where do the lyrics come from? Where do the melodies come from? I befriended Gilbert O'Sullivan, who was one of my all-time favorite singer-songwriters. I wrote a song about him. He mm. had such an impact on me. And so I've befriended him a little and his family. And I really have listened to his interviews recently where he says where his inspiration comes from, which is, he says it's mostly not about personal experience. He reads things in the newspaper and all this. And I thought, wow, people say we're kind of similar, but that's a huge difference because 90 plus percent of my songs are from personal experience or observations. I always say I can't afford therapy, so so I write songs. And sometimes I think it's too much. Sometimes I think it's too hard on your sleeve. Sometimes I try to step away from it. But I don't know. It just feels like when you sing live and you can go back to what inspired the song at that moment, even if it's about a childhood thing, that that gives you a more honest performance, mm. I think. Your tribute to Gilbert O'Sullivan, you talk about, I think the song opens with you about a kid, you, you as a child, yeah. on the bus, the school bus. That's right. And his music took you somewhere else. Yeah, thank you. In, yeah. in tough times. Perhaps, yes. Perhaps. Yeah, and there's a gorgeous video that is just, it's beautiful. And it's 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 all drawn like a little children's book. Mm. And I really worked with the artist. The song is, on the surface, it's an homage to a to Gilbert. But truly, it's it's a story of a of a boy, of a 12-year-old, kind of lost, as many of, of us are, and having kind of a shaky home life and looking for an answer. And the bus driver would play pop tunes every day on our way to school. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And back then, of course, as we were just saying, the radio, was just, every song was just gorgeous. Me and Mrs. Jones followed by Alone Again, you know? <laughs> and so that's where it all came from. When I heard Alone Again the first time, I was just like, I, it was like some drug had hit me. Mm. It just hit me. It still feels that way. I intentionally don't listen to it. I don't seek it out. I let it hit me at random times mm. because I don't want to change the memory of that song. Hmm. Yeah. I always speak with people about the power of music because it gets us through 
the great things in life and the tough things in life. Obviously, you've turned to music in your life. Yeah. What would you have done without music or how has, <laughs> mu- how has music helped you? You mentioned therapy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And I, I'm guessing most of us have the same experience with it. You know, you break up with somebody or you meet somebody new and this, this whatever song is playing, that's kind of locked in, mm. you know, to that memory. Mm. It always will bring you back. There is something, and this sounds hokey, but there's something very magical about music that I don't think we can explain. Mm. Sometimes I'm singing, I'm thinking, what the hell is singing? What am I doing here? I'm, I'm talking, <laughs> but I'm kind of adding a different aspect to my voice and people mm. seem to like it. That's pretty weird and cool. Do you love performing live? I do love it. When the technical part is good, I like it. <laughs> when the sound man has problems, uh, it's work. <laughs> That's interesting. You mentioned what you're thinking when you're out there singing, because we all, I think, whatever field you're in, get into a zone, like sports people or what have you, musicians, you just get lost in in that moment. Does that happen to you on the stage too? It does. Certain songs, sometimes it's, sometimes if it's a new song, it's more of a technical, I have to be a tactician to make sure I don't make a mistake. Mm. So certain songs trip me up if I'm playing an instrument, um, if I'm just singing. I mean, I have to remember the words, so there's a little mathematical brain comes in. Uh Uh-huh. But there are certain songs, certainly, that uh, I get lost in almost every time. And I make sure to play them every night. Oh. Yeah. You've got a lot of fans here in Japan who are very happy, obviously, you're back doing live shows, random shows across Japan, too. You're doing a bunch of different shows. (laughs) I am. I am all over. It's not really top to bottom. It's kind of side to side, I guess, isn't it, Japan? (laughs) It is a J shape. Oh, yeah. That's right. I always think of Japan as north and south. So do I. But Japanese people always talk about it as east and west. That's what I was just saying, exactly. Because mm. I, I totally think like, oh, I'm going down to Hiroshima, but I'm right. actually going over to Hiroshima. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You can sort of take your pick. Right, that's <laughs> You're true. You're slipping around the bend. Too. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. What do you love about Japan? I I don't know how to really put this into words without sounding strange, but I have, a, I immediately got a connection with Japan on kind of a silly level. I noticed they really love baseball. That seems to be their sport. Mm. And I love baseball. And it's it's kind of fallen out of favor a little in the U.S. It's like, oh, it's not macho enough. You know, football took over. Uh-huh. And it seems to be a more gentle culture to me. They they seem to really like cats and they like rabbits. It just seems to be kind of a cuter, <laughs> gentler, respectful culture. And I noticed the little things that point that out. It isn't just like in the U.S. when we say goodbye, yeah, hey, see ya. And mm. we walk away. Mm. You know, thanks. Bye. Mm. You get out of a cab. It's not like that here. It's Arigatou gozaimasu, domo, blah, blah, blah. There's a, just, you take the time to be respectful and you pick up every little piece of trash. The trains are usually immaculate mm. because people bring their trash with them. Anyway, all those little things mm. <laughs> enter my mind and make me feel incredibly comfortable here. Mm. I just, I, I feel completely safe. But the people seem, not everybody's perfect, but for the most part, it's very comfortable and mm. respectful. You might have answered this question, but I do like to ask people too. Is there one thing about Japan that you love that maybe the rest of the world don't know about that you'd love to share with the world? There's probably a lot. Obviously, the food, I think, the best in the world. And I have a pretty kind of, I guess, a strict diet in a way. But I've just, You're a vegan? I have been for many, many years. Yeah, right. for, yeah, yeah, I am. For, a, a fellow vegan actually introduced us. There you go. I'm not a vegan. We can still it. be friends. I hope so. Yes. I eat a lot of veggies. Good. Okay. Well, <laughs> mostly, not, mostly. Well, you're gaining points then, so that's okay. Good. It is all based on a point system, so <laughs> let me know how many veggies you're eating. 
on the silly side of what I like about Japan, I have invented something. So I love onigiri, of oh. course, which is, for those who don't know, it's like a rice triangle with a little food inside of it. Mm. I love maitake onigiri. Oh, yes. But I also like soy ice cream. I love gobo, which is burdock, which is not too common in the U.S. It's mm-hmm. a root, kind of a root. So I want to mix all those into an onigiri with oh. ice cream on top. Ice then cream I'll on be, top. That'll <laughs> be an absolute perfect meal for me. You can start selling them. <laughs> I could. Onigiri is starting to catch on in the U.S. Oh, no way. Which is killing me because, of course, I had this thought years ago, oh, i got to open up a shop in the U.S. You can still do it. I suppose. With your own special things inside the onigiri. Yeah, but of course they're not calling it onigiri because nobody can pronounce that. Oh, there you go. Rice triangles. <laughs> rice oh, triangles. Oh, help me. No, please. Well, you can do some wonderful vegan rice triangles. Oh, God, what an awful name, but yes. <laughs> We're going to go on a journey. We're leaving Japan. And okay. you can have your mobile device. You can have a passport. You can have a credit card. What's one other thing that you must have in your life? To remember to breathe. To remember to go... Some good breaths. Yeah, to breathe deeply every now and then. You live in the countryside now, I believe. That must be good for your mental state and your breathing. It is. I mean, again, you have the same stresses as I had in LA living there for 20 plus years and Mm. doing the industry there. But now when I walk outside, I I have the animals and I have a lot of green. And yesterday I was in Nagoya and the person who was helping me out down there was saying, what do you want to do? I said, well, obviously I have to go to Second Street and, you know, buy some clothes and I need, I want to go to a ca- used camera shop. And, but you know what I really need? I just need to like hug a tree and walk in some dirt. Oh. And we did. We found that. Oh, cool. And just that feeling gave me some peace for that day. So Great. I need, I guess the answer is, it's not what I have to bring with me. It's what I need when I'm there, which is I, I need nature. Mm-hmm. I don't need tourist stuff. I just need to be with nature at some point mm-hmm. almost every day. Sadly, there are not enough trees in Tokyo. Yeah. It's very disappointing. And they're pulling more of them down. Yeah. We drove past the Emperor's Palace. Is Mm, that? Which is beautiful. That seems so gorgeous. Mm. But then I asked, can people kind of like enjoy all this green? I guess some of it is kind of blocked off. There are some open areas and parks in there, so you can go in. Yeah. But you're right. It's this amazing forest. Yeah, they really need a central park here with just nature and don't manage it, just let it be. Mm. I miss that tremendously. There's some beautiful parts of Japan. I've I've traveled to a lot of nature areas. They're just gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. The mountains full of trees. Yes, yes. On your journey, you can have a travel companion. Who would you love to sit down with, anyone from history or anyone alive today, and have a conversation with? Well, not to kiss up to somebody in the moment, but I'm having a really great time and your life has been so interesting. So in in the immediate moment, I would say it'd be great to learn about you. We can keep on rapping. (laughs) But but that's a little too obvious, I suppose, at this moment. Probably somebody from the past, maybe like Galileo or something. (laughs) That would be very interesting. Must be fascinating to have a conversation with someone who's not on record. Obviously, there are books about these people. We're so used to watching videos or TV or movies or recordings or what have you, but imagine meeting someone pre-recording history must be amazing. That's an amazing idea. That's mm. a, it's actually a great idea for a movie. Like actually, or, or, or you should do this, interview these people from the past. Would love to. Yeah. Can we time travel? There's another conversation. Well, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so Galileo is your choice? Uh, well, I don't know. It's in the moment. I mean, two hours from now, I go, what was I thinking? Galileo? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Is there any music from history that you're fascinated in? You've, you've talked about pop and rock of the 70s. Is there another historical moment of music you love? You know, I have a new song on a new album that's coming. And I wrote a song. I haven't 
debuted it yet. It's a very tricky song to play. And it's about the decades. It's, a, it's called As Long As You're Here. Oh. And it's about a couple. And he's going back and he's thinking how it would be with, with that person in the 20s, in the 30s, in the 40s. And each decade goes through the 70s because everything sucked after the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit that out. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm on record. So, and every decade... Uh, it's a very fast-paced kind of ragtime song, and every decade has uh, a hairstyle, a car, a, and a dance. Mm. And it's both his look and kind of her look or whoever, and um, it goes through every decade. And to me, I think the 30s and 40s of the U.S., that music and the culture, except for the smoking and all the meat-eating <laughs> and all the racism <laughs> and all that, other than that... Yeah, get outside that. <laughs> um, it was seems like a fascinating time to me. I would have loved to have been a big band singer, uh-huh. you know, with a, yeah. just that orchestra, Tommy Dorsey or something, just so pretty much what Sinatra did. And mm. Vegas during, like, the gangsters and the mob, that's very fascinating to me, the mm. 60s and... All that, yeah. Brilliant time trip. There you go. Yeah. I was going to say something there. Oh, no. I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. The Barry Gibb hair I've got today. I'm loving your Barry Gibb hair. (laughs) It's been very windy in Tokyo, so there's your excuse. I didn't have this until I was walking the streets. (laughs) And I was telling you, usually I either have uh, Barry Gibb or I have David Cassidy, oh, yeah. where it curls up on the bottom, or like <laughs> like maybe Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> Even then, better. At other times, it's Aladdin oh. or like Trent Reznor. It just really depends on if I've washed it and if there's wind. <laughs> well, today you're Barry. I am. I'm loving it. Well, Barry, I've had a lovely day with you. I think that was I must. Kyle Vincent, it has been such a pleasure to meet you. Let's uh, get together again next time you're in Japan. I would love to, Guy. Thank you so much. It was a real honor to be here with you. Thank you. Truly. Thank you for the music. And thank you for joining us today. For more interviews and information, please go to guyperryman.com.